It's 835, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. You know, yesterday we were talking about this push coming from some people on the far left to move this, move us to a single-payer system when it comes to health care. You know, the idea, it, it's, it, it is interesting how the entire health care debate has evolved in the last several years. We have now gone from the question of whether or not health care is, is a right, health insurance, whether that's now a, a right that everybody should be entitled to, to this idea that everybody should have the same type of of health insurance available. So if you get your insurance through your employer and you have the options of like three networks and somebody else gets their option through Obamacare and they only have an option of one network, that that violates people's basic rights. And we all have to have the same insurance and the same options. In any event, um, there is a push coming from the far left to move us to a single-payer system, which sounds good. I I understand, oh, that's great. It's all going to be wonderful. It's going to be seashells and balloons. Everybody's going to have access to health care. It's going to be great. The problem is single-payer does not work. First of all, single-payer is not free. It will cost trillions of dollars, trillions of dollars a year. The way it is paid for is by massive taxes on you and on your employers. So that that's it. Secondly, the countries that have it, it results in huge waiting periods. It resolves in, in rationing. I mean, if you have kidney stones and you're in pain and you're peeing blood, do you really want to wait four months for a procedure? That's what single payer involves. And yet this has now become what the far left wants. In Wisconsin... Yesterday afternoon, Tammy Baldwin, who is the very liberal U.S. senator who's running for re-election next year, came out and said, I'm, I am down with the Bernie Sanders crowd. I am all in favor of Medicare for all, single payer. This will be wonderful. This is a huge campaign issue. And if I were giving any advice to the various Republicans who are in the race running against her, whether it's Leah Vukmir or Kevin Nicholson who or whoever else may choose to get in the race, that this is the ultimate wedge issue. But here's the thing. You've got to beat on this issue but also educate the public what actually single payer is going to mean. Because people hear this and, oh, this is just going to be great. Everybody's going to be taken care of. It's going to be wonderful. Um Places that have single payer, I I think, sincerely regret those choices. And you've got to educate the public about it. But it is a huge, huge wedge issue. And I I think if you're looking for one thing that if, whether it's Leah Vukmir or Kevin Nicholson, whoever, if they do their job, this issue alone and Tammy Baldwin's support for single payer, which is then a half step away from nationalized health insurance, I, I think nationalized health care, th- this is a wedge issue that could very well in and of itself cost Tammy Baldwin the election. But you've got to educate the public about what single payer is and how disastrous it would be. Just saying. All right, we start off today's show like we start off every show. Three big things, stories that I think you need to know about. Um, just to discuss at the water cooler. And I acknowledge sometimes people say, well, those aren't the three biggest stories, the most earth-shattering stories. No, not necessarily, but I think they're big things, and I think they're interesting things, and they raise sometimes larger issues, which brings us to big story number one, ESPN reporter Jamel Hill. Now, ESPN started out as a, a network 
devoted to essentially following sports and showing sports highlights. And, and that's what the success of the show really, the, the network really was. Lately, the network has been struggling. More people are cutting the cord. Um, more people are getting, aren't getting, if they want a sports highlight, for example, with the advent of the Internet and the rise of social media, you don't have to wait till Sports Center at 1015 if you want to see the highlights of a Milwaukee Bucks basketball game. There's all sorts of sources that you can go to on the Internet and get it. And so that's been a factor, people cutting the cord, all that stuff. ESPN has been struggling. So what they have been doing lately is in an effort to try to salvage the network, they have been moving more towards personality-driven stuff. And, you know, we've talked about this before. There is, at least in my opinion, a huge leftist lean to ESPN a lot of the commentators starting to offer their own political stuff, but it's been more of a celebrity thing as well. Now on Sports Center, they bring in people who don't apparently know very much about sports, these celebrities to hawk whatever they've got coming up. It's, it's again, an effort to try to attract a different audience because the old ESPN audience is leaving ESPN. The jury is out as to whether it's going to be successful. So far, it, it's not working. In any event, Jamel Hill is one of the hosts of one of their early evening shows, one of their early evening Sports Center shows. Um, she, on Monday, for reasons that it's kind of pass understanding, decided that she was going to take to Twitter on Monday and share her thoughts um, not about oh, you know, who's going to win the NBA championship or whether or not the Chicago Cubs are going to be able to hold off the Cardinals or the Brewers. But she goes on her Twitter account, and she starts uh, tweeting about President Trump. I mean, so this this is what she says about President Trump. She starts off by saying, this is on her Twitter account, Donald Trump is a white supremacist who has largely surrounded himself with other white supremacists all right she continues um and of course this is september she does this monday which is the 16th anniversary of the terrorist attacks on september 11th she goes on the height of white privilege is being able to ignore this white supremacy because it is of no threat to you well it is a threat to me she is by the way african-american she continues trump is the most ignorant offensive president of my lifetime His rise is a direct result of white supremacy, period. She's not satisfied. She goes on. These are different tweets. He is unqualified and unfit to be president. He is not a leader. And if he were not white, he would never have been elected. Huh. So she sends out these various tweets. Once this goes out, of course, um, it generates a ton of attention. Um, she also went on to slam Twitter users who replied to her and who defended the president. All right. Yesterday, ESPN came out and said, well, um, her, her comments on Twitter regarding the president do not represent the position of ESPN. We have addressed this with her and she recognizes her actions were inappropriate. But apparently there is no discipline. She was on the show last night at 5 o'clock. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I, I always try to reverse these situations, and uh, there is no question in my mind, if you had a white anchor 
who had said anything similar to this with regard to Barack Obama, that person would never have been on ESPN again. So 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Oh, and by the way, Colin Kaepernick, he apparently gets into this. He sends out something on Twitter saying, essentially, you go, girl. All right, if this were a white anchor, they would have never, in my opinion, been back on ESPN. Doesn't appear that there's going to be much, if anything, done to her. All right, how should people respond to this? Should ESPN have come down on her harder? Or is this just, well, you, you, you have to understand it's a free country. She has a right to say whatever she wants, which is, of course, true. But just because you have a right to say something doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. And as we have discussed in many different occasions, um, your First Amendment rights as a private citizen often, often can cause trouble if you are a public figure and it embarrasses your employer. All right, so how should this be handled? ESPN apparently is treating it with kid gloves. Nothing to see here. How do you feel? 414-799-1620. I am just absolutely stunned that she has not been suspended for a week or two weeks, um, if if not fired. If it was a white anchor who said something similar, they would have been gone. 414-799-1620. We discuss next. It's 844. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Uh, Dan sends a text. Two words, Kurt Schilling. Yeah, ESPN dropped him like a hot potato when he said some politically incorrect stuff. But here you have one of their main anchors who launches off on this tirade against President Trump saying he wouldn't have elected, wouldn't, the only reason he was elected was because of white supremacists and white privilege. And ESPN, it, it's crickets. Well, we, we've we've counseled her about what she did. Let's start with Bill in Brookfield. Bill, you're on 620 WTMJ. Uh, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Good morning. Um, what, I, what I really wanted to say is that everybody talks about white privilege and, and, and all that. Um, to be honest with you, I think there's black privilege going on because if you are uh, black or African American, you can say whatever you want politically or about anybody. If you call them a racist, you can say anything you want, and there's really no backlash. Now, if you switch it around, uh-huh. and if you're white and you say anything about, say, Barack Obama or uh, Leah uh, Taylor, anything like that, or Gwen Moore, you're a racist and you're a bigot. Uh, well, I- exactly, and you know, you're you're never going to be back on the airwaves again. I mean, thanks. I mean, that that is that is clearly the standards that are out there. Now, look, does she have a First Amendment right to spout off as she wishes? She absolutely does. But how many times have we seen the consequences for that? I mean, if you're if you are not politically correct, Lord knows you're going to have the long knives that are out here for you. Now, I don't know what it was that set her off, but you have this ongoing tirade against the president of the United States. Oh, he's a white supremacist, all this type of stuff. It's it's white privilege that ended up getting her elected. Um, well, it's a threat to me. Trump is the most ignorant, offensive president of my lifetime. His rise is a direct result of white supremacy. I mean, and I guess here, here's the thing. ESPN apparently isn't going to do anything about this. But um, this is one of the situations where, you, you know what? I mean, there are audiences that are out there, and the audiences can respond. It's not 
as direct, but the audiences can simply say, you know what, we've got all sorts of choices at 5 o'clock or at 6 o'clock at night to watch some of these shows, and if this is what this woman feels, if this woman has this type of hatred for the President of the United States, and look, I I understand that people can disagree with Donald Trump, I, I get that, but really, he's a white supremacist, it's white privilege, that's the only reason he was elected. All right, this is one of these situations where, all right, Kurt Schilling was too controversial to ESPN, how in the world could this woman not not be too controversial. Well, again, it's the double standard. Andrew uh, texts, this is the type of hypocrisy that drove people to Donald Trump in the first place. Um, maybe. Kevin and Muskego text, huge double standard ESPN. Conservative Kurt Schilling fired for far less. Nothing will happen to her at all. Um, yeah, remember, Kurt Schilling was making comments about uh, on the transgender issue. I mean, look, this is the bottom line. ESPN is, is trying to, ESPN is, is trying to reinvent itself, and apparently they think the way to reinvent itself is to use sports as a way to kind of launch into and become another version of MSNBC. That's fine for that audience, but. Maybe the way a lot of people should respond, since ESPN isn't going to do anything about this, maybe the way a lot of people should simply respond is by saying, you know what, um, I'm, I'm going to, I can go to all sorts of other places to find my highlights. That's what Tom from Fort Atkinson says in his text. This is the straw that broke the camel's back. I will no longer watch this network. And again, I, I understand if you want to criticize Donald Trump, that's, that's not the point. You, you get a right to criticize Donald Trump. But in this type of language, using this race-baiting type of thing, this, this woman is a sports anchor, for goodness sakes. You would think that maybe she would, well, maybe she would confine her opinions to, again, who she thinks is going to win the NFL playoffs. Um, 414-799-1620. Um, that's the number. But that's big story number one. ESPN, uh, again, turning the other way when a liberal host decides to launch out with a bunch of what I think most people would agree were over-the-top and at least to a significant segment of the audience offensive tweets about the president. All right, big story number two is coming up. There was a meeting on the east side last night, and let me put it like this. Residents were not happy. I'll tell you all about it. It's 8.53. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 8.56, Jeff Wagner, 6.20 WTMJ. Time and time again, Wisconsinites have shown remarkable generosity for their fellow Americans when disaster strikes. You did it two weeks ago for Texans impacted by Harvey, and now those in Florida need our help, too. WTMJ is partnering partnering with the Red Cross to provide assistance to those affected. Text the word IRMA, that's I-R-M-A, to 90999 to donate $10 to help the Red Cross aid victims of the hurricane in Florida and throughout the Gulf Coast. All right, big story number two. Let me set this up, and I'll give you a chance to call in, and we'll start with your calls at the top of the next hour. Last night on the east side, people packed into Plymouth Church for a hearing with the local police department and the aldermen about crime. Um, People were unhappy. I've been maced. I've been punched in my face, somebody says. Everyone knows there's no prosecution going on. The judges are letting people off. Response time is slow. There's no patrols. People were upset. The police department, 
They sent uh, one of their representatives, this woman, who says, well, it's really not as bad as you think it is. Perception may not be reality. I think because this is what she tells the crowd. I think because of social media, things are being blown out of proportion a little bit. And then they say, well, our, our numbers show that violent crime and auto thefts are actually down a little bit from 2016. But, of course, 2016 was a record sort of number. Um to which one of the victims says, I don't care what you're telling us and what the statistics are. We're having a crisis on the entire east side. And I think the police, their response in part is to say, well, it's it's really social media. It, it's not as bad as you might think. There is a perception that the city is unsafe, but that doesn't reflect reality. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is not a satisfactory response. The idea that, well, okay, there's this perception that the city is dangerous, but that's not reality. Okay, all, all you folks, don't you realize that like the crime numbers are a little bit stable here? Where they're stable at an unacceptably ridiculous level. So let's tee this up. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do you buy the idea that the crime problem in Milwaukee is just in your mind? <laughs> is it just in the mind of you suburban residents who think, well, it's unsafe to come into Milwaukee? Is that an unrealistic position? If you live in the city of Milwaukee, I mean, is it really just the perception? Is the crime problem all in your mind? Or is it in your parking lots? And is it is it in your garages? And is it in your home? And is it on the street when you try to walk your dog? Is is this a situation where it's just social media that makes it seem worse than it is? Or is there a real problem out there that elected officials and the cops and the courts need to wake up to? We discuss next. If you are on the line, please hold on. If you want to join us, 414-799-1620. And the answer, I mean, I'm willing to talk about it, but the answer is how clueless can the police be to seriously suggest that, well, it's not as bad as you think? It's 909, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Okay, in any event, there was a, uh, an angry, I'm not going to say mob, but an angry group of concerned citizens that descended on Plymouth Church yesterday on the east side complaining about, well, well crime problems. And the police were there, the aldermen were there. Even a Milwaukee County judge was on hand who said that prosecutions of juvenile offenders are down and that smaller crimes aren't getting enough a- attention. All right. So people were saying, look, we, we pay a lot in taxes and this is unacceptable. Uh, the police department and the aldermen, um, their approach was, well, there, there really hasn't been a, a large spike in crime on the, the east side, um, that there's this perception that there's high crime. But really, maybe it's not that bad. This to me, again, it's this is the Tom Barrett approach. It is the ostriches sticking their heads in the sand. So let's tee this up. When we hear when we hear about the various problems of crime in Milwaukee, the fact that you have people who are being robbed on a regular basis, the carjackings, the thefts, the fact that in some communities the IRS, the IRS, 
I've got an IRS thing going on. The, the, the Postal Service won't even deliver packages and leave them on some per- people's doorsteps because they know that they're going to be stolen. The various carjackings. Is this just a perception that there's crime or is crime out of control? 414-799-1620. My answer is you're damn right crime is out of control. And it is aggravating that apparently this is not this is not the, the, the thing that we're being told, oh, don't worry about this. It's just it's just a perception as opposed to a reality. Let's start with Mike on the east side. Mike, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Morning, Jeff. I've lived on the east side for 65 years. That's how old I am. The house that I live in now is the house that I was born in, and it was my grandma's house. I bought it 30 years ago. I've been in that neighborhood all my life. And this is just off of Brady. I'm going to tell you something. Every week is worse than the week before. And I'll say that in the in the late 50s and 60s, we had fights. That's what happened on the east side. We didn't have anybody coming uh, into our neighborhoods and doing anything because the east siders in those days would take care of it. I'm not a Johnny-come-lately coming in here yuppie with all this money and I'm everything is happy and I can be insulated. I've got my house and what I see on the street is incredible. I call my alderman's office. They know me by name. Most of the time they don't even bother answering me. I call the police. They say, call your alderman. And I called the mayor's office and told them because my brother went to school with the mayor at Marquette. And I don't get any response from him. What goes on? My daughter and her uh, husband and my granddaughter lived across the street for three years. I told them, get the heck out of the east side and as far south as you can go. Mm-hmm. Because her car was broken into twice in six months. Um, my neighbor's car has been broken into. My cousin that lives across the street from me has a truck with a cap on it. It was robbed so many times, broken into, I can't count. And then one day they actually took it, stripped it bare, put some old tires on, and pushed it out the alley. But Mike, uh, don't don't you understand? It, it's it's there's not a problem there. Everything's happy. It's just, it's all in your mind, pal. It's all in your mind. Yes, and so uh, we had Brady Street Festival two years ago, and a policeman was right there uh, at the end of the night, about seventy feet from me. Uh, two guys come walking down. In front of my house, I've got my two German Shepherds outside, sitting on my porch. The guy throws a beer can basically at my feet on my grass. And I said, excuse me, sir, would you pick that up? And he just kept walking. I said, excuse me, sir, could you could you please pick that up? And he goes, you let those dogs go, I'm going to kill you. I'm yep. going to shoot you. I yelled for the police. You know what the policeman did? He goes, what are you doing in this neighborhood? You need to move out of here. And I said, <laughs> Are you crazy? <laughs> well, no, Mike, th- no, th- I mean, th- my, one. no, okay. One, Jeff. My son came home, he's 28 years old, came home from work uh, last year, and there's like four black guys jumping from hood to roof all the way down the street at the angle parking that we have, so they didn't have to hit the ground. My son goes, what are you doing? The guy goes, you want to have a shootout? This is weekly by us.
No, thanks for yeah. calling. No, Mike, thank, I, mean, I don't mean to cut you off, but yeah, but that, but that, I got a lot of people who want to weigh in on this. That, that, this is the reality that people live in. They are outraged enough to attend this meeting, and the police department has the audacity to say, well, we think it's social media. All right, look, th- I, maybe that's what people want to pretend it is. Maybe that's the easy answer for Tom Barrett. Hey, let's build the trolley on the east side. That, that'll solve all these type of problems. But the reality is... Crime is out of control. And again, it's how you lie with statistics. Well, it's actually leveled off a little bit. Well, it's leveled off from incredibly unacceptable levels. Here's Andy in Waukesha. She writes, we used to live off of Newport and Downer um, right in the UWM neighborhood, and our property taxes were about fifteen grand a year. If I had some... Um, if I had someone break into my garage, the police would not come because they're too busy in River West or downtown to help the residents on the east side. We would maybe see a police car in our Milwaukee neighborhood maybe once a week, and that would only be because a police officer from uh, lived in our neighborhood, and he would swing through when he could. The fact that MPD thinks it's a social media problem shows how seriously warped they are. We moved. 414-799-1620. Carrie in South Milwaukee. Carrie, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. Okay, is this just is, the, is, is this perception or is this reality? Oh, it, it's reality. Uh, I don't know if you remember me. I was a young police officer when you were a prosecutor with the... U.S. Attorney's Office back in the day, huh? Office, yeah. <laughs> um, so... So I recently retired uh, from the law enforcement, and, you know, it's not just in Milwaukee. It's the suburbs, too. Things are not the same as they used to be. Um, and, and, again, I, I don't know how much more you can say that. To me, it's, you know, song, seeing what I saw, you know, 30 years ago and, and now, it's, it's worse. It's, it's more violent. It's more frequent. Mm-hmm. It's, right. It's, and, and, um, well, right. And, and it's just, I mean, I guess my my concern carry is pretending that it's not there that doesn't doesn't help i mean pretending that we we're in a situation where you have you know repeat criminals and juvenile offenders who are turned out on the streets to commit crime after crime after crime just pretending that that's not happening doesn't solve anything and and it really is a situation where will the last person to leave the city please turn out the lights right i i mean when i started I, I would say that I would get done work on second shift, and I would go walk my dog at midnight um, unarmed. Um, now I would probably go armed, or I don't go at all because I don't feel safe walking really? around at night in, in my community. We didn't have people getting robbed on the street as frequently as we do now. You don't have the you didn't have the carjacking of the day pull it in. Um, it, it's bad. And it's for somebody to say that it's a perception, not a reality, I think they're, they're mistaken. Wait, thank, yeah, mistaken is a kind way to put it. I mean, but it's the head-in-the-sand uh, approach. It's easier to say, well, you know, don't don't worry about it. It's re- the, the crime numbers are stable for September. Well, stable from what? I, I mean, seriously, I mean, stable from... All right, an unacceptably high level in 2016. Gee, it didn't get any worse because the reality is it probably can't get any worse. And at some point in time, look, I understand it's difficult to figure out how to deal with this. Wouldn't it be nice to have the mayor and the police chief calling out judges who turn loose violent offenders time and time and time again instead of just saying, well, we need more laws to deal with this? I mean, wouldn't that... I mean, and I was the one thing. I mean, I think Ed Flynn's uh, chase policy was seriously whacked. But 
I mean, the one point he did make is, hey, you know, we chase people, we catch them, and then, you know, especially if they're juveniles, they're back out on the streets, you know, six hours later. So it's kind of like, what what is the the point of all this? Look, here, here's the bottom line. You know, if, if you want to talk about quality of life, and there's lots of great things going on in the city of Milwaukee, I, I appreciate it. But if, if you're, if you are unsafe, if it is unsafe, and the crime in Milwaukee is at an unacceptable level. Plus, as we've talked about before, it is starting to spread into the suburbs as the criminals become bolder and bolder and bolder. Crime control needs to be a top priority. The mayor is talking about in his budget, gee, if I, if I don't get more state money or I, I don't get the ability to impose a special sales tax, I'm going to lay off cops. Really? I mean, lay off mid-level bureaucrats, why don't you? But, you know, police... That needs to be priority number one. And wouldn't it be nice to see some of the people in power actually using their bully pulpits, you know, to identify the real problems in the system? You know, wouldn't it be nice for that person who, instead of saying, well, it's a social media thing, saying, you know, you know what, you're right. Now, let me give you some examples. We caught X number of people involved in carjackings or car thefts in these various neighborhoods. Let me tell you what happened to them. Fourteen of them were juveniles. They were back out on the street in less than eight hours. Wouldn't it be nice to hear that kind of stuff for a change instead of being told it's all in your mind? The truth is it is not in your mind. It is on the streets. And unless authorities wake up and realize that, it is not going to get any better. It's 919. This is Jeff Wagner. Big story number three is coming up. Foxconn passes with no support from Milwaukee Democrats. Stick around. It's 922, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Again, so very glad to have you with us this morning. Uh, let's see. Wisconsin hunters could be facing a new threat from chronic wasting disease this year, and it may be something they are not doing. Find out what that is with Scafidian Billstat, 1235 this afternoon. All right, big story number three. Foxconn passes the state Senate yesterday. Everybody knows the story. You've got the big Foxconn, which is the international company. Interestingly, during the debate, during the debate, Foxconn, which, according to the plans, is going to be bringing 13,000 jobs to Wisconsin. Now, maybe they're not all going to come here at first. Maybe it'll be 3,000, then 5,000, then 7,000. Maybe it tops out at 10,000, not 13,000. But it's thousands and thousands of jobs. And, of course, um, you had some people in the debate, mostly Democrats, who were talking about, oh, well, Foxconn is a foreign corporation. Well, yeah, they're, they're a foreign corporation who's bringing thousands of jobs to the state of Wisconsin. Isn't that a good thing? But that was the term, foreign corporation. So in any event, goes in front of the state Senate yesterday, the, the incentive package. It passes on a 20 to 13 vote. One Republican um, guy out of Green Bay votes votes against it. One Democrat, Bob Wirch, who represents the Kenosha area, votes for it. Otherwise, all 12 Democrats vote against it. Let's name some names. Now, I understand why you want to play politics with this. 
I get the idea that this is a huge political benefit for Scott Walker. And I understand that you've got the Democrats in Madison who want desperately to try to defeat Scott Walker in November of 2018. So I understand the politics of this. But at some point in time, don't you have to put the interest of your constituents ahead of the interests of your political party? So let us name names. In Milwaukee, I think we would all agree that when it comes to economic development, jobs and things of the like, you know, Milwaukee is about as hard pushed and hard put as any place in the state of Wisconsin. You know, how often do we hear about, hey, we need good family sustaining jobs. We need opportunities for people who are living in various areas of the city of Milwaukee. And you know what? When you hear that, it, it, it's true. There's not enough jobs that are available for a lot of people that are living in some of these economically depressed areas. So what do you think, that if you represented one of those areas, what do you think that you'd want to do? Well, you'd think that you'd want to, hey, I'm gonna, I found an opportunity that some of my constituents, that might help some of my constituents. And what would be that opportunity? Well, it would be Foxconn, right? All right. Well, that's not how it plays out in the state Senate. Let's name some names. Tim Carpenter, who is a Democrat from Milwaukee, he voted no on this bill. Let's see. LaTanya Johnson, who represents a very economically challenged district, she ended up voting no on this. Chris Larson, the aspiring, I don't know, he would, you know, whenever there's a political opening, he tries to advance himself. Chris Larson, who represents Milwaukee, ended up voting no to this. And, and Lena Taylor, who represents Milwaukee, Lena Taylor also ended up voting no. All four Senate Democrats who represent the Milwaukee area, an area that is desperately, desperately in need of good-paying jobs, voted against the Foxconn bill. They weren't there saying, hey, we're going to support Foxconn. Let's, can we just work out some transportation? Let's figure out a way to, I don't know, get a couple thousand people who might desperately need jobs from Milwaukee. Let's figure out a way to get them down to Racine to do this. They voted no. They turned their backs on their constituents in an effort to try to stand up with, I guess, their political party. We don't want to give Scott Walker a victory. And here's the other irony of this. If this had been Jim Doyle, Jim Doyle had been the governor and he had negotiated the same thing, you know darn well that all four of these Democrats, Tim Carpenter, LaTanya, um, Tim Carpenter, LaTanya Johnson, uh, then of course you've got, uh, Lena, Tim, Tim Carpenter, LaTanya Johnson, um, and again, Lena Taylor and Chris Larson, you know all four of them would have supported this. But they ended up saying no, turning their back on their constituents. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here's the bottom line. With no support from Milwaukee Democrats, Foxconn passed the Senate. It's going to pass the Assembly on Thursday. It's going to be signed into law by the governor you're going to have, again, shovels in the ground, and you're going to have jobs. Here is, my, here is my question. As we look forward, a year or two from now, 
Is Foxconn going to be good, not for Racine, not for Kenosha, but is it going to be good for Milwaukee? And were these people who voted against it incredibly short-sighted and politically motivated? 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It is unbelievable to me that you would have four four elected officials from Milwaukee County, the county right next door to where Foxconn is going to go, that all voted in lockstep against this. Is this going to be good for Milwaukee County? 414-799-1620. We discuss when we come back. It's 928. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 936. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Brewers fans, start making plans because the 2018 schedule is out. Went to the game last night. Great game. Had a great time. A West Coast season opener and a division rival in town for opening day at Miller Park. Get all the details now in the Brewers section of WTMJ.com. All right. Foxconn passes the state Senate yesterday. A 20 to 13 vote. One Republican from the Green Bay area votes no. One Democrat from the Kenosha area because Bob Wirch, who is a liberal Democrat, recognizes that Foxconn is going to be good for, even though it's probably going to be located in Racine, it's going to be good for the people in his Senate district. Interestingly enough, in Milwaukee, there are four state senators. They are all Democrats. Each one of those Democrats decided that they were going to vote for their party instead of their constituents. They each one voted no. I think this is appalling, nothing short of appalling, because I think they have sold out their constituents. Let's talk to Gary in Appleton. Gary, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Oh, hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Yeah. Well, I, I don't have too much to add to what you already said, but I just want to say, I think if Scott Walker uh, rid the world of all disease and advanced world peace all on the same day, the Democrats would be a black. Come the next day. Uh, th- this is all about uh, this is all about uh, this happening under Walker's administration. I mean, if this would be going on during Jim Doyle uh, administration, or if Tom Baird had got elected his administration, they would be dancing in the end zone on this. Well, exactly, so, right, right, exactly. And every one of them, uh, Latanya, um, right, whether. Every single one of them, starting with Tim Carpenter, but every single one of those Democrats, Latanya Johnson and Chris Larson and Lena Taylor, every single one of them would be touting how great this is and how wonderful this is going to be our, for our community. But I guess they've decided no. My brother will be voting for it on Thursdays. <laughs> it'll pass. Well, right, it'll no, right. Yeah, no, thank, thank, it'll, it'll pass. And, and actually, the um, you know, it, it will it will end up passing, and, you know, of course, I mean, one of the things that's going on is they'll end up getting the, the benefit of it. I mean, Beth sends me a text and makes that point. point. Milwaukee Democrats knew it would pass without them, so they could afford to vote against it for political reasons, and their constituents will still benefit. I, I guess, what does that say? That, that What does that say, that you are going to put your political party interests ahead of the interests of your constituents? See, here's what would have been interesting to have happen. Instead of just saying, oh, it's a foreign corporation and we're going to vote no, no, no. If, if these four Milwaukee area Democrats really cared about their constituents, what they would have done is they would have tried to put together a package saying, hey, we're going to vote yes on this, but you know what? This is what we want. We want to figure out a way to actually – 
um, I don't know, make it easier to arrange transportation. Let's put something in there that makes it easier for the people that live in the inner city of Milwaukee to get down there to, to you know, do these jobs or things like that. Let's work on trying to be constructive. But instead, because it's Scott Walker, they decided they were going to just say no and it is nothing short of shameful. Now, again, Foxconn is going to get built. Um, you have the Democratic Party unity. But at this point in time, again, it's like when people say, well, I vote for the person, not the party. No, this is a classic example of why if you're voting for, in this case, these four Milwaukee area Democrats, you're not voting for the person. You are voting for the party. Constituents be damned. It is 940. When we come back, TSA has new procedures. I'll tell you all about them. Stick around. It's 944, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Now, this is very cool. We let you experience Wisconsin's finest supper clubs at half price. This week, our featured supper club is Katarina's Restaurante in Milwaukee. It's a great place, family-owned for over 30 years. Katarina's features original Italian recipes made fresh to order and includes entrees from pasta to seafood to veal to steak. Their desserts are out of this world. This Friday at noon. You can get a $50 certificate for only 25 bucks. These go quickly. We only have 50 available. Get yours this Friday starting at noon. You go to our website and you'll see WTMJSupperClub.com. Um, once they are gone, they are gone. It is a very cool thing, and I'm telling you, you can have great meals there. No question about it. All right. I have been – there used to be a, a cachet for, to air travel. used to be – kind of fun to fly you know back in the days of midwest express and things like that well well, no more i mean nowadays you've got fewer flights they're more crowded um everybody it seems is on their last nerve and of course you know after september 11th 2001 security procedures have have tightened up um you know i've always felt sorry for the tsa people what do you mean you feel sorry for tsa i mean it's just a thankless job i mean everybody that comes to the airport is on edge Nobody likes to, you know, have to go through those lines. It's one of the things that we all dread. You've got the, the folks that sit there and they they watch your bags go through, your carry-on luggage go through, and they look at, I don't know, in any given day, 10,000, 15,000 bags, whatever the number is going to be, and they're in a situation where almost everything they're going to look at is going to be harmless. But Lord knows if they make a mistake and they end up missing that one thing that's not harmless, well, you know, the results are going to be catastrophic. So I always, no matter what kind of mood I'm in, I always just kind of say, okay, I recognize these people are doing their best to do their job, and I'm just going to go with the flow. The, The other thing is... Not going with the flow doesn't get you anywhere anyways. It's it's just one of those things. So anyhow, TSA is coming out with a a new, what they call, enhanced pat-down procedure that they have been rolling out. And, um, you know, the L.A. Times was the first one, I think, to report this. Um, But but now there's descriptions of what they were were doing. Um, Here's what the the pat-down procedure is. Um, An agent 
runs his hand inside a passenger's waistband and also runs his hand up the back of each leg until he meets resistance and then does the same from the front of each leg. Then the TSA agent swipes the front of his hands three or four times right over the zipper area of one of your pants. Um, For what it's worth, um, this is, and again, I'm looking at a story that's describing this, but they're saying, hey, the agent tells the person who was going through this exactly what they were going to do before they did it, and um, it's just carrying out the government, uh, the government's policy. Now, th- this is coming. I'm, I'm looking at a story where there's a columnist who was subjected to this and who is grossly offended, you know, by this, saying, "Okay, you know, there's all this touching that's going on, and you know, I, I shouldn't have to go through this." Apparently, what happened is a person was singled out um, for a- additional checking um, I think it was probably a random type of thing but it is a more intrusive and it is a more intensive pat down procedure all right 414-799-1620 that is the acunate mortgage talk and text line I understand that it, it is an invasion of privacy to have to be patted down but the truth is you know that's what happens all the time nowadays when you go into secure facilities. So I understand why some people might be upset with this, that, or the other thing. But you know what the bottom line here is? I mean, the TSA agents have a thankless job. And I guess I don't have a problem with this added level of security. Because the truth of the matter is, if you fly into a lot of airports in Europe, you try going through the Frankfurt Airport, for example, you know, if you want to see security, you will see security. So, 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't like the fact that you've got the extra government pat-downs. I don't like you have the fact that you have to go through this enhanced security procedure. But you know what? I think TSA is just doing its job, and the bottom line of this is, if it makes us all a little bit safer, if it catches somebody who might have something on their person, and I understand, my guess is you probably, you know, for every 5,000 pat-down searches that you end up doing, you know, you're you're probably going to find contraband maybe one time. Nevertheless, I think this is a minor intrusion, and unfortunately, it is part of the world in which we live. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you're on the line, hold on. BD is lining up the calls. We discuss next. It's 9.52, Jeff Wagner, 6.20, WTMJ. All right, TSA has rolled out new enhanced screening procedures. If you happen to set off the metal detector, or sometimes you're just randomly selected for these, they, they do a pat-down, which is more extensive and more intensive than before. It, it's not just out-of-control agents. They explain what's going on, but there's a lot more touching. Now, some people say, oh, it's groping. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. I guess my take on this is, this is just an unfortunate um, sidelight to September eleventh, two thousand one. And the reality is, they're trying to make us safe. And I understand that this is inconvenient, but at the same time, I think it's just part of the game if we're going to fly on airlines. And the truth of the matter is, if you go through a lot of airports in Europe, um, the security procedures and screening that we get in the United States aren't anything. Let's talk to Melissa in Sheboygan. Melissa, good morning. Hello there. Hi, Melissa. Um, my daughter and I flew to Daytona in July, and I 
did get, they stopped me. And I said, okay, they were so professional. They had me turn and they said, look at the screen. And I saw the scan of my body. They said, what could be triggering it? They asked me. I forgot to take my Fitbit off when I went through. Okay. And I wear, um, I wear mine attaches to my clothes. They were so professional and they were explaining everything to me on why they swipe inside and why they had to swab my hand. They were, they, the guy said to me, first of all, I'm going to step aside and we're going to have a woman step in and you are going to have to do a full pat down. I said, fine. I was completely agree with it. And while they were doing, she was doing it and explaining to me, I said, I just want to thank you for doing your job because it's just making my flight that much safer. Right. So it was, it was more, it was obviously intrusive, but you understood why they were doing it and they explained it to you. Exactly. She had to put her hand like into my inside of my pants in the back. She did have to go up the inner side of my, my thighs. I mean, it's not like I enjoyed it. People were looking, but I thought, you know what? This is going to make the flight that much safer. It was, but she explained to me what they were feeling for. And then at the end, she swabbed both her hands and my hands for any kind of uh, gunpowder or any kind right. of explosive powder. And I learned a lot when she did it. And no, I didn't enjoy it, but it's something that had to be done. Yeah, no, thank, thanks for the call, Melissa. And I, see, I guess that's kind of my reaction to all this. I, I, I understand, look, we, we'd all, you know, one of the coolest things, if you ever have, you know, a friend that's got a private airplane or something, one of the very coolest things is you, you, you get to bypass a lot of, of this type of stuff. But the reality is, for most of us who fly commercial all the time, this is just the new reality that's there. And it's, is it uncomfortable? Yeah. But it's a necessity, and I guess complaining about it, I, I don't see where that gets anybody. Because again, my guess is, my guess is the people who are doing this aren't necessarily any happier about it, not having to do it, than the people that it is being done to. Diane in um, Oak Hill, Diane, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Hi, I have knee replacement, so I always have to go through that um, right. extra screening, and I've had. People that, um, oops, hang on, sorry. I've had people that have um, been a little rough with me, and when they do up between the legs, come up a little hard. But they have improved, and like the previous caller said, they explain a lot of stuff. Right. But I know they don't like doing it, but we don't like it being done either, <laughs> so... There's got to be a happy medium somewhere. Well, right, and and, and I'm right. I, I understand, but at the same time, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know what the the other alternative is at, at this point in time. And I think they're tr- obviously they're trying to move to that stuff with more of the, the 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 electronic stuff and more of the sensors that they use. But you know, the, the reality is. They're trying to keep us safe. And, again, I appreciate That's why I try to cut TSA a break, because I, I appreciate the vast majority of, of these pat-downs. It's going to be, oh, you forgot, you know, you, you have the Fitbit attached, or you forgot to take off your watch, or it was your belt buckle, or whatever. I mean, I understand all that, but at the same time, they, they've got a job to do. And this is, this is just one of the extra prices I think we pay for security. Mark in Oak Creek. Mark, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. How are you today? Thanks for well. taking my call. Yes, sir. Congratulations on your upcoming wedding. Thank you. Hey, you know what I got to say? What's the problem here? Why, I want to be safe. You know, if you go to Europe or Israel or something, you know that they, I have heard, I haven't done it myself, I have heard that they're 
uh, security is a lot even more intense. We have to be safe in this day and age. Times have changed. I just, I just believe it's a great thing, and I would, I would hope they would do more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right, right. Yeah, you. I, I have, I have never flown. I've never been to Israel. So, but I, I mean, yeah, yes. I, I am told the security procedures there are amazing. I, a few years back, um, I was flying to the south of France, and and we went through Frankfurt. I mean, I just. I, and this was a number of years ago, and I, I'm telling you, they weren't fooling around between the presence of, you know, there, there were even there were added levels of, of security. There were different checkpoints that you had to go through. Your luggage was constantly separated from you, and it was just, it, but it was just, unfortunately, it, it's the necessity of the world in which we live. And I think sometimes those of us who live in this great country, we end up getting sort of a little bit spoiled. Oh, well, this is intrusive, or this is going to delay me for a couple minutes. Well, uh, unfortunately, that's just the world that we end up living in. All right, coming up in less than eight minutes, school lunches. Do we want tastier? Do we want healthier? Where is the balance? And do we roll back the Michelle Obama guidelines? Stick around. It's 959. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 10.08. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Uh, Today is an interesting day. Um, About six weeks ago, Chicago, Cook County, where Chicago is located, implemented a tax on sweetened beverages. Not, Not just not just beverages with sugar in them, but sweetened beverages. So it, it doesn't matter whether you're you're drinking, I don't know, fruit juice that has sweeteners in it. Um, it doesn't matter whether you're drinking diet soda. Doesn't matter whether you're drinking regular soda. Um, for all of those type of beverages, what they did was they implemented a a one cent per ounce tax on the, the beverage. So just to give you an idea, if you go out and you buy a two-liter bottle of, of Mountain Dew or a two-liter bottle of Diet Coke, you would be paying um, an extra $0.68 cents in tax for that. Um, if you buy a case of Coke or Pepsi, say, you know, you'd be paying an extra $2.88 um, per case. Now, the reason... Supposedly why this tax was put into effect was to try to discourage people from from drinking soda pop um, or sweetened beverages in general. And that's why they refer to it as a soda pop tax. But it's actually it's not just on on soda pop. It would apply. This applies to um, coffee if you have the barista make the coffee. So if you go and you have a latte or whatever and they put sugar in it, you have to pay the tax. If, on the other hand, you order coffee black like I do, but you choose to put sugar in that, well, then it does, it's not affected. But it's just if they make it for you, you end up paying for it. They estimate that this soda pop tax, and again, I'm going to call it a soda pop tax, but it's much broader than that, will generate about $200 million a year. And nobody seriously suggests that this $200 million is going to be put into, is going to all be put into like healthier eating programs or anything like that. This is a huge moneymaker for Cook County. Um, Michael Bloomberg, who is the former mayor of New York, 
he's already committed to spending $5 million in TV ads defending this soda tax as being a good public health option. Well, this is back in the news today. You said, Jeff, this went into effect six weeks ago because the, the Cook County Board of Commissioners, I mean, I think that's that would be the equivalent of uh, you know, county board members here. Um, they are going to be potentially today voting on an effort to repeal this particular tax. Now, the head of the county board is in favor of this, so I, I think they're saying they're probably going to use some parliamentary procedure to push this off for another month. There's a way that they can end up stalling this. But this tax, since it went into effect, has done something that I thought was almost impossible to do. It has brought people in Chicago together, Republicans, Democrats, conservatives, liberals, uh, and, and generally almost everybody hates this particular tax, unless you're, uh, again, the former mayor of New York, Michael Bloomberg, who says, well, this is just a health crisis, we have to do it. Other people say, look, this is just nothing but another way that the government has of trying to get its hands into our pockets. All right, I don't know what's going to happen today. My guess is this is going to get put off. But this story is now back in the news. And more and more communities across, particularly cities and counties across the country, are looking at this as a way to, again, generate revenue and, well, also, I, I guess, try to improve people's health. Because if you ta- if you increase the tax, maybe you discourage people from... I don't know, if you add an extra 32 cents to the cost of the 32-ounce thing of Mountain Dew, maybe you make it less likely that the teenager is going to drink it. Here's what I think is interesting, though. Um, Obviously, communities all across the country are strapped for cash. So this is an idea. The idea is, hey, look, we can raise money to help ourselves, but also we can do something to make the general public healthier. And if you don't support this, does that mean that you're in favor of childhood obesity? All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Would you like to see something like this implemented here? Whether it's Milwaukee County or Ozaki County or Washington County or Racine County or Brown County, wherever, would you like to, as a way of number one, generating revenue, and number two, discouraging people from engaging in arguably unhealthy behavior, drinking soda, do you think that we should impose a tax? For example, in Chicago, it's one cent per ounce. And it applies pretty much across the board. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My response is, I think this should be a complete and total non-starter. I think that this is nothing but a fraud that is being perpetrated on the general public as a way to get revenue. And I don't think we would stand for it around here. I've been wrong before. 414-799-1620. How about a soda tax in your county? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1014. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1016. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Let's start with Patty and Grafton. Patty, good morning. Good morning. Uh, Very quick. I work in retail. If I know somebody... If somebody pays for whatever with their EBT card or food stamps, the tax automatically comes off. So therefore, I can go to, let's just say I know you have an EBT card. Hey, Jeff, can you buy this soda for me with your EBT card? 
I will pay you back for it. Nobody pays the tax. And who knows who's the wiser? Well, well, exactly. And, and let's even talk about the larger issue, Patty. You're, you're exactly right. The way th- th- This is one of the insane things because I, if, if we're really saying this tax is about health, what one of the big concerns is, hey, you know, people who are in the lower socioeconomic levels, they, they don't have the opportunity to eat healthy and things like that. You're exactly right. Because of federal rules, you know, if you're, again, food stamps, the EBT cards, right. it, you, they, you are, the federal government says you can't tax this. So people who are buying soda, like you say, with the EBT cards, they are exempt from the tax. So, right. so if, if you're, if you're poor, Go drink all the soda you you want, and you don't have to pay the extra tax. The whole exactly. thing is just crazy. Yeah, it's, it's kind of I got to run. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Appreciate you joining us, um, Zach in Milwaukee. Zach, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. How are you this morning? Very well, thank you. Would something like this fly in Milwaukee County? Say, uh, I don't know Milwaukee County really well, but I wouldn't think so. I, in my opinion, this is just like you said, just another way to get money out of people. I mean, you look at the cigarette taxes, $4 in Wisconsin per pack, and people have yet to quit smoking. I mean, I just quit three weeks ago myself. I mean, all it is is to get right. more money out of it, a, a low way to get money disguised as a quote-unquote health benefit. Well, well, right, because uh, yeah. the, the, right, the truth of the matter is, if the problem is some teenager drinking, uh, again, a, a 32-ounce bottle of Mountain Dew, taxing the kid an extra 32 cents, that's not going to stop him from drinking the no. soda. That's not enough of a penalty. All this is is a fundraising thing, I think, kind of hidden in that. No, thanks for the call. I appreciate you joining us. Let's see. Let's go to our text line here. Um, Randy in West Dallas says, I love this tax. This should be put in nationwide. You just said it's arguably unhealthy to drink excessively sugar drinks. There's no argument about it. It is unhealthy to drink Mountain Dew and similar drinks. People are too dumb to make the right decisions like this. So I guess we've gotten to the point where we need to try to force them to save their own health. Okay. All right. People are too dumb to make these decisions with regard to the sugary drinks. Let me pose a question then. Then why aren't we taxing – if if this is bad for you, then why aren't we taxing everything that has sugar in it? I mean, why aren't we taxing, you know, cakes? Why aren't we taxing ice cream? Why aren't we taxing cookies? You know, why why aren't we taxing sugar per se? I mean, why do we just say, okay, we're going to go after soda? If sugar is such a bad thing and we're trying to discourage people from having it in our diets, I mean, let's how about the cans of cherry pie filling? That's nothing but sugar. Why don't we impose the tax on that? Let's talk to Brian in Chicago. Brian, good morning. Uh, oh, I was going to say, Brian, good morning. Jeff, good morning. How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm good. Thank you, sir. Yeah, so, you know, I happen to live here, and uh, they've already implemented it here. Right. I just want to let you know that I think that it's another money-making mechanism that, uh, that the greatest mayor that's ever been elected to office uh, has come up with, on top of the fact that you can't even buy groceries here because you have to pay $0.07 cents per bag as well for that. So, you know, Chicago is Chicago. It's ridiculous. I don't think that it's going to deter uh, parents or kids, for that matter, from drinking soda. It's just another money-making scheme that they have up their sleeve. Thank right. You, Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. No, and that's and, and that, I mean, and, and they're you know at least see when when we had the increased taxes on cigarettes, 
there was at least some pretense. The, the argument was, okay, we're going to these. We we're going to impose these cigarette tax, and then what we're going to do is we're going to use it to help try to defer some of the health costs that are put on society by the fact that people who are heavy cigarette smokers, you know, have added health costs. This, I don't think there's any perception. They're, they're, I don't even think they're pretending. It's two hundred million dollars. That's what they say they are going to raise every year, just in Cook County alone. So they're saying, okay, we're going to raise $200 million, and you know this is going to be used for general revenue. 414-799-1620. We continue the conversation next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1021. It's 1023. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. And just to clarify something I said earlier, um, ready-to-drink sweetened coffee drinks are taxed in Cook County. So like one of the cans of I, – I, one of the cans of – espresso or, or whatever the, the, those drinks that you get I, I don't drink them but th- those if it's in the can if it's ready to drink sweetened coffee it will be if it's a custom sweetened beverage like those mixed by a server or a barista you don't pay tax if you order a coffee with sugar at dunkin donuts you'll not be charged the tax huh but then but then mixers if you go into a bar and you order a whiskey and a coke you will be taxed because the, the Coke has a sweetener in it. If you order a gin and tonic, most most tonic has sweetener in it, you will pay the tax. If you buy a margarita or a Bloody Mary, chances are you're going to be taxed by the ounce because it contains sweeteners in it. This is, this is like, let's just face it, this is just another way to get into your pockets to try to raise revenue. And I guess the question becomes, you know, is that something that we really want to do? Dusty in Menominee Falls. Dusty, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Hey, Jeff, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I grew up in Cook County. I've been in Wisconsin for 13 years now. And let's just say when I was there, we used to call it Crook County. <laughs> sure. For many reasons. But uh, my idea is definitely the tax has to be repealed. It's ridiculous. But also on the same token, I feel that if anyone wants to purchase pop and soda and sugar, they should be required to present proof of medical insurance because I'm tired of paying for people who are making bad decisions. I guess my question, though, Dusty, is where do you draw the line on that? What about um, what about people who who like their red meat? The people who like that that big honking hunk of steak. I mean, would you say the same thing to them, or the people that like to buy, you know, their their, their pie or their ice cream or their candy bars or whatever? Well, uh, to a certain extent, you kind of have to because we live in a society where there are so many bad things, and all it's doing is producing a nation full of obese people and rising and driving our health care costs through the roof. Mm-hmm. So something has to be done, and they have to figure it out. But uh, proof of insurance is going to go a long way with this. Thanks, Nicole. Well, I guess, I, I mean, look, I, I, I understand that we all, we, we need to figure out a way to encourage people to eat, eat healthier. I, at the same time, don't believe that tax policy is the way that you you should do that, especially when it's a tax policy that, let's be, let's be honest, isn't related in any realistic way, shape, or form to the problem. It's not like they're going to take that $200 million and they're going to use it to, I don't know, Im- improve health care or anything like that. Now, they might spend some of it on advertising, trying to discourage people from you know drinking the Mountain Dew, but this is, first and foremost, like you were saying, it, it's a revenue. New grab. Now, here's another interesting thing. Uh, one of my texters says, we went. We used to have no Sunday sales for booze, and people in our county would go to the next county to get booze on Sunday. I think taxing pop will have the same effect. I don't know. Um, 
I guess at some point in time, we have this mobile society, and, and I do. I am sensitive to the idea that um, if you've got a rule in one county that doesn't apply in the other, like an extra half-cent sales tax or something like that, will that inspire people to go to the other county and make the purchase? I think there's something to that. At the same time, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to picture if I live in, let's say, Milwaukee County, and you impose a tax like this, and I'm buying – I'm buying a, a 12 – I mean, it's just me. I'm by myself. So, I mean, I buy – I drink Diet Coke. So I buy a 12-pack of Diet Coke. Um, so that's – or or I buy two – the other day, I went to the store. I bought two 12-packs of Diet Coke. So this would be like $2.44 extra on top of that. Would I drive to another county to save $2.44? Eh, probably not. The kids that are going into the convenience stores after school and are buying the 32-ounce thing of Mountain Dew – would they, you know, go somewhere else? I, I mean, I don't know how much – I don't know whether this tax is large enough that it's going to dramatically change consumer behavior. Um, I, I also don't think it's large enough that it's going to deter people from doing this. Let's talk to um, – let's see. Let's talk to uh, Brian in Brookfield. Brian, you're at 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I think it's a crazy, crazy idea. I mean, we're taxed enough as it is. And I just kind of want to follow up on your last caller talking about you should be required to show insurance uh, to buy whatever you want, whether it's soda, sugar, ice cream, candy, whatever. I mean, my argument would be if you're going to do that, then why don't you require anybody who wants to get pregnant to show financial responsibility to afford that child? Because how many women or, you know, whatever, have kids in the inner city and we end up picking up the tab because they don't have a job, so we're paying them a check every month per kid, plus all the health insurance and everything else, and the deadbeat dad walks away and doesn't pay a penny. Well, right. I mean, well, I mean, I guess the, the, the big thanks for the call. I mean, the big question is where 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 do you end up stopping, and how far do you end up carrying this? I, I want to. I've got a ton of texts on this, and many people are making the argument. No, Jeff, you're being short-sighted about this. You have to understand this tax is going to be used um, to to promote. You know, health care and, you know, we're going to help underwrite the costs of the people who have these various obesity problems because they're drinking soda. Here's uh, here, here's one of my texters. Jeff, I am currently in law school in Chicago, and I'm in a state and local tax class. Do not be fooled into thinking that the soda tax is for health benefits. My professor was the chief tax attorney for Chicago, and his sole job was to write new taxes for the city. He flat out told us this tax and others like it are just a way to make revenue and that the city does not care about people's health. Well, I doubt he necessarily said that. You're not going to say we don't care about your health, but um, if, if you think that this is something other than a way to generate revenue, I, I think you need to be really careful and make sure you tuck your shoulder when you fall off that turnip truck because you don't want to be hurt. In any event, um, today's going to be an interesting day. I think what's going to happen is this motion to repeal the tax is going to get kicked over and delayed for another 30 days. The former mayor of New York is wading in Five M as in million dollars in advertising, trying to put pressure on supervisors not to repeal what is actually becoming one of the most singular unpopular taxes in the history of the country. I mean, I, I don't know that you got to go back to the Boston Tea Party, but very, very unhappy. And I, I think even in places, well, I don't know about Dane County because, well, I just don't know about Dane County. But I, even even in a place like Milwaukee County. I don't think this is going to fly.
It's 1035, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. How do Aaron Rodgers and the Packers plan to combat the raucous atmosphere they're surely going to face Sunday night at the brand-new Mercedes-Benz Stadium? Hear from Green Bay's quarterback tonight during Sports Central with Greg Matzik. That is at 615. All right. There has been a move afoot in MPS to try to serve the kids healthier lunches. Um, there, there's actually there's this online petition that ended up getting started, has thousands of signatures on it. You've got parents and people saying, you know, we, we, want, we want to have the food um, be healthier, and we want to have it more uh, attractive to the, the students. There was a hearing yesterday where you had some of the kids say, hey, the food they're serving is, is nasty, it's cold, it, it's uncooked. Um, the food that's served um, is often mushy. It's cold when it should be hot. It's hot when it should be cold. So you have all these kids that are out there trying to, um, trying to uh, again, they're complaining and the parents are complaining about this. At the same time, you have the school districts that are under all sorts of pressure. If, if they want federal funds for their lunch programs, there are all sorts of restrictions, and we've talked about this, you know, before. And this is the Michelle Obama, let's have kids eating healthier and that type of stuff. So you've got restrictions on, well, well for example, if you're going to serve, just to give you an idea, if you're going to serve bread, like buns or uh, any food uh, made of, of grain, pasta made of grain it has to be this is the federal government saying it has to be at least half whole grain well the problem is lots of people lots of people don't like the whole grain food you've got these requirements that every kid has to be served a vegetable okay so they're served a vegetable but they they don't eat vegetables at home they don't like the vegetables so you can put green beans on the plate and no offense to green beans i know that there's people who love them but when i get a meal and it's got green beans i'll have one or two i'm not a green bean fan right you've got these rules that say everybody has to have fruit all right well there's a lot of kids that don't eat the fruit so you 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 give them the fruit and it goes from their tray into the garbage can because they're you can put it on their plate, but they're not going to eat it. So on the one hand, you have this tension. We want healthier food. You know, we want better tasting food. Well, part of the problem a lot of times is that the healthier food isn't necessarily the better tasting food, or it's not what the kids are, are used to. Here is what I would do if I were king. First of all, I think I would do away with most, if not all, of the Michelle Obama recent requirements. What I would do is I would I would allow the local school districts, whether it's, you know, in Milwaukee or wherever, I would allow them the flexibility to figure out what it is that the kids want to eat and then, you know, with an idea that, you know, you, you don't want to serve them junk, but at the same time, you, you want to serve them stuff that they're going to eat. And again, this idea that we have to serve nutritious mo- meals, and I get it. You want it to be a nutritious meal, but if the kid isn't going to eat it, if the kid doesn't eat succotash, all right, putting succotash on the plate just to have it thrown out doesn't accomplish anything except 
again, making the bureaucrats feel good because you say, well, look, we had green beans. We had succotash. You know, th- this is what we had on on there. What I would do is I would allow the local school districts the flexibility to decide, you know, what works here. You know, okay, salad bars are great. Let's have the salad bar, but, you know, and we can put some low-fat dressing out there and things like that, but let's give these kids the option. Okay, 414-799-1620, that is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think in many respects it is time to get the federal government out of the school lunch business, at least to the extent um, it's the federal government putting restrictions on what local school districts can and cannot do, what they have to serve, what their procedures are. Let it up to the local districts. Let them figure out, you know, what's what it's what is going to work. And if kids in their district, um, I don't know, want want fried chicken strips because they're going to eat fried chicken strips. Well, what's wrong with that? I mean, isn't that better than saying, here, you know, you're going to have to take a vegetable, you're going to have to take a piece of fruit when you know that that's just going to be thrown out. Okay, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I just think this whole issue with school lunches, we're, we're approaching it completely we're approaching it completely wrong. You have to start out with the basic premise what are the kids going to eat? And what will the kids eat? And just giving them, quote, unquote, healthy food and putting it on their plate and then thinking you've solved the problem, that, that doesn't begin to address the point. 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And, you know, if, if you talk to people who work in the school systems, the um, – the, the, the lunch ladies and the like, and I, I say that with a smile on my face, uh, with the lunch ladies and things. I mean, they'll tell you. You, are, you talk to people who are like monitors. They'll tell you the amount of food that is being wasted is just absolutely, absolutely staggering. 414-799-1620. BD is lining up the calls. We're back to discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1042. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 11.45, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Wisconsin hunters could be facing a new threat from chronic wasting disease this year, and it might be from something they are not doing. Find out what that is with Scafidi and Billstead at 12.35 this afternoon. Okay, let's look at some of our texts before we start taking phone calls on this whole question. Um, overall, it's time we stop micromanaging everything. There is absolutely no proof that a kid who grows up on all organic veggies versus tax Mountain Dew is necessarily a healthier, productive adult. Maybe we all just need to have an ounce of common sense. Uh, I think there's a point for that. My aunt works, here's another one, for West Alice. She said they throw out almost all of the produce served. Can the food go to the homeless program? See, that's that's what the problem, that, see, that's what the problem is. You know, if, if the kids aren't made and taught to eat vegetables at home, um, if you've never had spinach or you've never had asparagus or you've never had fill in the blank, and you don't eat that at home, okay, putting spinach, I happen to like spinach, for example, but putting you know spinach or green beans or whatever, putting them on your plate at school, if you don't eat them at home, you're not going to eat it at school. That's just, it's green, it's icky, that, that's just the reality. Now, are there things you can do 
to make the, the spinach more appealing. Well, sure, and I'm all in favor of that, although interestingly enough, I was uh, I was at a place the other day that had choices of different things you could pick, and they had like regular spinach and cream spinach. You know, cream spinach, from a perspective of calories, is one of the worst things you can eat because it's creamed. You know, the regular spinach, fine, but lots of people don't like the regular spinach. Because my point, though, is... You know, trying to force feed kids at school in the name of a healthier lunch, that's not going to make any difference if mom and dad aren't teaching the kids to eat vegetables at, at home. Let's talk to um, Jane in Oak Creek. Jane, you're first. Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. I, I totally agree with you. I feel that, you know, a lot of these kids don't get vegetables at home. A lot of these kids sometimes don't even get the fresh fruit at home. So, you know, they don't know what it is. Right. And they don't know what it tastes like and they're not willing to try it because it's it's foreign to them sure i feel that you know a salad bar is a good idea yep. because you can put a variety of things out and it doesn't spoil the same day you can you can put them you know the, the raw carrots back into a container and right them for, uh, whatever specified uh, times that help department uh, dictates and and you can put out some ranch dressing. You can give it a try. Sure. No, I... Um, I, I'm opposed to them, you know, just forcing them to eat it and because it does, it goes... Right. The yeah, they don't eat it. Do any good. Yeah, no, thanks for calling. Right, they, they don't eat it. I mean, that, that's the thing. You can, all right, you put the peach on the kid's plate. The kid doesn't want a peach. And, and again, you talk to people who work in lunchrooms, and they'll tell you that is exactly and precisely, you know, what happens. Now, right, I think, I mean, I like your idea. I have a text to her, makes the same point. I mean, I'd go with like salad and sub bars. You can, you know, you could, submarine bars, you can, you know, have different breads, you know, maybe some low fat, low fat cold cuts and things of, of the like. You know, you can experiment and let the kids mix and match and things like that. But just saying, okay, well, we're going to have a healthier lunch. Yeah, all right, great. Now, there are things that, that you can do, and I would encourage – for example, you, you can make a great vegetarian lasagna, and, and the kids don't necessarily realize that they're <laughs> they're eating the vegetarian lasagna and, and st- things like that. So, I mean, I would, if I were king, I would be doing all sorts of stuff to encourage as much creativity as possible in the food service in the food service folks. Um, but but just say, okay, here you know, here's here's the vegetables, and we expect you eat it. That's that's not going to work. Let's talk to Leo in Lake Geneva. Hi, Leo. You're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, Jeff. I was listening to your last caller, plus I was talking to your pre-screener. Um, most of these bigger school districts, I don't know about Milwaukee, of course, but like uh, Minneapolis, Chicago, they contract with fast food restaurants, uh, Subway, uh, Taco Bell, Taco John's to come in. So at that point, the school really doesn't even have a role anymore because if the kid has a choice between eating Taco Bell and eating the school lunch, <laughs> yeah. he's going to choose that. They're going to make a run for the border. You're absolutely and, right. Exactly. Yeah. And the other thing uh, uh, you were they were just talking about is, you know, the different vegetables and fruits that you try. You go to any supermarket, what is the biggest thing marketed to kids for lunch right now? Oscar Mayer Lunchables. Oh, the Lunchable thing, sure. Okay, and what is in them? Crackers, meat, cheese, <laughs> yeah, pre, and, a little, pre, and right. a little chocolate treat. Right, yeah, pre, no pre, pot, pre-processed meat at that. You know? Yes. Yeah. So, right. so what it comes down to is all of these mandates that were passed down by the previous administration about eating healthier, 
you're right. It looks good on paper. Mm-hmm. It looks good. It's a feel-good measure, just like about 90% of the political measures that go through. They're all feel-good measures, but practically they make no Right, or, or they did, right. Thanks for the call. Or, and they don't they don't work, Leo. I mean, that, see, that's it. I mean, I, I don't. Somebody's, I know inevitably I'm going to get this email saying, "Oh, you you don't don't you recognize there's childhood obesity is a problem and people eat like crap and don't you realize that, um, for example, for some kids, the the school lunch that they get is probably the best meal that they're going to have during the day. And I understand that. I I, I do. But I also live in this thing that we call the real world. And we talk about stuff in the real world. You, you want to have practical solutions to problems. And, and one-size-fits-all guidelines don't make any sense to me. And, and micromanaging stuff. All right, I've had whole wheat pasta. And I know, I know that there's some people who just absolutely love whole wheat pasta. I, I get it. It's not. I, I. I just not. I do not find the taste to be appealing. I, I just. I don't know how else to say it. I just. I, I've tried because I know it's healthier. I've tried to eat it. I just don't like it. I just. I just don't. So you know. And here's what happens. You say, okay. Well, we're going to serve. Kids love spaghetti. Okay, great. But we want it to be healthier, so we're going to serve it. You know, on on the whole grain noodles. Well, all right. If that's not what they're exposed to. They're not going to like it, and they're not going to eat it. And so this idea that for the, the, maybe it's going to be the best meal of the day. You're going to give the kids something that they don't want and don't want to eat, and so they're not going to eat it. Well, it can be as healthy as whatever, but if they're not eating it, you're not getting anywhere. And, and so that, that's why I think we need this common sense thing. To me, this is a local control thing. Look, the local school districts know what will fly in their individual districts. They, they do. And I would not have the federal government tying their hands. I would say, look, we trust you. You go ahead and you do this stuff. And then if you find gross abuses, well, then you can kind of come in. But but this idea that we're going to have a one-size-fits-all thing, it may have been well-intended, but it's just flat not working. It's 1053. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 10.56. This is Jeff Wagner. Glad to have you with us. How high do the Packers rank among the NFL's elite? See where Wayne Larrabee has them in his latest power poll. Find it in the Packers section of WTMJ.com and check out what he has to say about them in his latest edition of his podcast, The Play-By-Play with Wayne Larrabee, presented by your local Chevy dealer. While you are at our, our mobile app page at our website, um, you can download a number of podcasts. We have podcasts up from voices you don't hear all the time on the radio, and then all our shows are podcasts, including this one, and I know lots of people download that, so if you can't be around from 8.30 to 12, but you want to hear segments, we podcast this program um, sometime every afternoon. The morning show is up, so you can come and you can listen to it at your convenience. Coming up in just a couple minutes, um, when we talk about business development, you know, we're, we're talking, we're focusing a lot on southeastern Wisconsin now. We're talking about, um, for example, Amazon and all the jobs they're bringing to Kenosha. We're talking about Foxconn. Um, there's other parts of the state that have economic problems as well. And there's one thing that a lot of people, myself included, we could do, believe we could do to help out some other parts of the state, but it makes the environmentalists' heads, heads explode. I'm talking about lifting the moratorium we have on mining. I'll talk about that and explain it. We'll discuss in just a little bit. Plus, um, in the wake of Hurricane Irma and Hurricane Harvey, all right, you still considering retiring down to Texas or to Florida? We're going to discuss that as well. Interesting decision out of the United States Supreme Court. 
Um, ever since the left started losing elections in Wisconsin, they, they have been the, – the, the idea is that now it's become, well, the reason Democrats lose in Wisconsin, it, it's not because people reject the ideas of the Democrats. It's because those evil Republicans drew up the election districts in a way to essentially prevent the Democrats from winning. It's called gerrymandering. Now, what they essentially argue is, hey, because Democrats live, lots of Democrats live, say, in the city of Milwaukee or in Madison, um, what we should do is we should draw up districts that essentially split up the Democrats that live in these areas so there's more Democrats in different um, districts, so maybe there's a more a greater chance that Democrats can win. They, they've, they've sued. The case is being heard. It's on a fast track to be heard this fall in the United States Supreme Court. And, again, liberals who haven't been able to win elections um, by votes – they think that, hey, if we redistrict, we can change this around. Um, yesterday, the Supreme Court stepped in, and over the objections of liberal members of the court, um, they said to Texas that Texas isn't going to have to redraw electoral districts that a lower court had found diminished the influence of minority voters. I think that is very, very telling because the arguments in Wisconsin that the Supreme Court's going to hear, it's not about eliminating the power of minority voters. It's going to say that, well, the way they did it, it, it hurt Democrats. Well, that is a much less compelling sort of argument. And I think what the Supreme Court did yesterday um, really kind of underscores and sends a signal that they're getting ready to uphold Wisconsin's uh, redistricted lines and say essentially, yeah, you, you can you, you can do what you want. You can concentrate people of the same political persuasions together. You don't have to split them up. That makes sense, and I think it's good news. It's 11.09. This is Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. We've been talking a lot about jobs in Wisconsin, and and we've been focusing a lot on southeastern Wisconsin. All right, the discussion now is is Foxconn. Will it bring 5,000? Will it bring 10,000? Will it bring 13,000 jobs? You've got the new Amazon facility. We, We talk a lot about jobs in this part of the state. But there are other parts of the state that have been hit hard economically as well. One of the interesting things, and I don't know that people are aware of this, but the there has not been a, a mining operation um, like, for example, mining copper and gold and silver. There's not been a mining operation since the Flambeau mine closed back in 1997. It was the last mine of its kind to operate in Wisconsin. That's because there's a, there's been essentially a moratorium on on mining. Back in 1998, the legislature passed a requirement that a mining company, before it can begin operating, must show regulators that another sulfide mine in the United States or Canada operated for at least 10 years without any acid drainage. It would also have to show a mine had been closed for 10 years without polluting. So Wisconsin is the only state with a requirement like this. And the effect of it is 
No, mining it because of these these rules and these requirements. There is essentially a there's essentially a moratorium on on mining. Now you will remember that there was the highly contentious um, battle that went on a couple years ago, and that was over iron mining. Well, the the latest thing is again it's sulfite mining, and again mining for these type of precious metals. And the concern is that, well, essentially, if you're going to do any sort of mining at all, it's going to be destroying the environment. Well, what's going on now is there's a group of Republican legislators who are, you know, trying to push uh, essentially to strike down these restrictions on the, again, gold, the silver, the the copper mining um, to allow more mineral exploration, which would, of course, you know, bring jobs, particularly jobs to the northern and the northwestern, perhaps, part of the state, areas that desperately, desperately need jobs. So if, if you repealed these restrictions, essentially what you could do is you would allow mining companies to start coming in and at least during ex- doing exploratory work for minerals like copper, zinc, gold, and silver, maybe as soon as, you know, next year's. A lot of the mining companies are saying, hey, we believe that there's deposits in Wisconsin, particularly the northern part of the state. You change the law. You know, we're willing to, you know, come in here and we're going to start looking for these things. And, you know, chances are we're going to find them and then we're going to start hiring people to do the mining. Once again, the environmentalists say, oh, my God, if you do this, it's going to be just dreadful. You're going to have pollution. It's going to be absolutely horrible. All right, I want to open up the phone lines, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, look, n- nobody wants to nobody wants to destroy the environment. At the same time, we need minerals. And if you have minerals in the ground in particular areas in Wisconsin, whether it's gold or copper or zinc or, or whatever, and there is a market for these – um, do we? Does it really make sense, especially in 2017, to be one of the only states in the country, if not the only state, with these restrictive requirements which make it almost impossible to do any sort of mining for, again, gold and zinc and silver and copper and these type of things? Or is it time to say, look, we need the jobs, we need the minerals. Yes, we're going to have, we're going to monitor this to make sure that, you know, you're not a horrible steward of the environment. But at the same time, you know, it, it's time to, again, bring Wisconsin in line with a number of the other states, and especially in areas that desperately need jobs. Is it time to go back to do some mining? 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I think this legislation is way overdue. You can put restrictions to make sure that, again, there's environmental requirements that people follow but this idea that no we're not going to allow people to mine i think it is antiquated and i think candidly i mean it's something that is not pro-individual you need to create these opportunities for people to work and part of the thing part of the opportunities for people to work especially in some areas of the state is going to be in mining 414-799-1620 we discuss next if you're on the line please hold on it's 1114 this is jeff wagner 620 wtmj
It's 1116, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, the hunt for Brew October. The crew and the Pirates battle in the finale of their series in the homestand later tonight. Bob Euchre begins our game day coverage at 635 here on WTMJ, sponsored by your Milwaukee Honda dealers. Hey, I, I said I was at the game yesterday. Great game, had a lot of fun. I want to give a shout-out to the Brewers, though, for a minute. I was there with um, I was there with two people, and one, one of the people I was with early on in the game, she started feeling unwell. Um, nothing, thankfully, nothing very serious. Started feeling unwell. Um, went to the Brewers' first aid uh, place. The they, they had a nurse there. They had a doctor there. They were absolutely tremendous. It, it really, it, it was it was great. And you know, she she stayed in the first aid area for about an inning, an inning and a half, and then she came back and watched the rest of the game, which is absolutely fine. But it was they were just really amazing. And I, I just just a shout out because. You know, I kept saying, "Okay, we can we can leave the game. We don't have to stay." She said, "No, no, you guys, you just enjoy it." And the Brewers, it was just tremendous. So, um, it's a, I wanted to mention that that is a shout out. Okay, um, we're talking about mining. We are, we are one of the only. We might we might as a state we might be the most restrictive when it comes to new mines. Essentially, the standards that they have set for sulfite mining, which is minerals, copper and gold and silver and zinc, it, it makes it effectively, unless they are changed, impossible to open up a new mine. There's a number of Republican areas, Republican legislators, particularly from the, the northern part of the state, who want to change this in order to provide economic benefits. Okay, here's a text. I'm 30 years old and live in Wisconsin. I'm completely against mining. I love the beauty of my state, and I do not want to see it destroyed. I don't know that anybody does. Not to be morbid, but the people that are pushing for mining in the state will be dead in about 20 years. And I'd like to enjoy it a little longer than that. Also, all these people that are promising to follow standards and regulations will all be dead before any real environmental damage happens. Hmm. 414-799-1620. Sue in Milwaukee. Sue, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. What do you think? I I am against the mining for lots of reasons. The biggest one is being the destruction of the environment, which has already occurred up near Hickston, Wisconsin, and other points north and central Wisconsin, where the bluffs are and everything. These people come in and they're mining sand, and just them digging out uh, the mines for themselves, they take truckloads and truckloads and truckloads of this sand Mm -hmm. out, and they're going down the road and dump trucks and big dump trucks, and the sand is flying out, and it's affecting people's lungs, and I know because my cousin is one of these people, and they're... Um, I'm sorry, your cousin is one of one, what people? A sand miner? People whose, whose land and lungs okay. and everything have been affected by these sand mine companies. And they, yeah, there'll be jobs, as far as I'm concerned, they'll all be in the healthcare field taking care of the people who are sick. And as far as jobs, they promise these people who's farms and houses that they buy, um, literally forcing these people out. They promise them jobs once the mine opens up. One man and his son sold their farm with the um, promise of they both have full-time work, and once the mine opened up, once the mine opened up, up, they had two mornings a week of work. And then they finished up with whatever they were doing at this so-called mine, and they were out of work completely. 
so they're out of their home, off their land, and out of work. Well, of course, they, but at the same time, they, they, they were paid for the, the land that they ended up selling. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know that I necessarily want to talk about individual things. And what, you're, what you're talking about is the sand. We use sand in Wisconsin for, for fracking. Um, I, one of the reasons we have gasoline that is $2.40 a gallon is, and we are not dependent on OPEC anymore is because we have developed ways to extract, for example, oil, um, in ways other than drilling, and we've become much more um, energy independent because of it. And they use a lot, a lot of the sand that they use in fracking uh, comes from Wisconsin. You know, we don't, we don't, we don't go looking for oil here in Wisconsin. There's not oil in Wisconsin, I don't think. But you use the sand for fracking, and I think that's what you're talking about. And again, I, there's always, look, there's always going to be a, a trade-off that, that's there. But I guess I'm just not convinced that we're. We are destroying the environment. I'll give you an example. We were talking about this this flat this mine at um, at, at Flambeau, and you know there, there's like one of the mines. They're 35 acre open pit mine operated for four years. I'm looking at this story. The company removed like 181,000 tons of copper, 3.3 million ounces of silver. This is the Journal Sentinel reporting, and about 334 ounces thousand ounces of gold. Um, today, it's a 181-acre property. It's open to the public with trails that cut through, they describe a lush mix of native grasses and wetlands pr- planted by the, the company. And so, you know, here you have an example of a metallic mine. Once the company got done, you know, they, they came in and they, again, they, they provided the, they they restored it to the extent that, that you can. So, I mean, the idea that you can't do this, I think, is is difficult. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Jeremy in Milwaukee. Jeremy, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Uh, morning. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm well, thank you. All right. I got to, you know, um, I, I'd like to protect the environment and everything. Sure. And Everybody I guess, does. Know, people are, are uh, wanting to do that. But wouldn't you rather have the technology and know-how in Wisconsin to do it over, like, a third-world country that would completely destroy their environment? Well, right, it, right. We, we need, co- you know, you make an interesting point. We need copper. We we need zinc. That's not going to go away. So, right, don't you want to, like, have it here, provide the jobs, provide the regulation, and, and you know, do it right? I guess I'm just not convinced that there, there's just people that don't believe that you can mine at all in an environmentally sensitive way, and I just don't, I don't accept that premise. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it's better to do a local. You don't have to worry about transportation, you know, overseas. And, well, well, right. You know. I mean, I guess I just, I mean, thanks. I mean, it, look, look, we, we've had, we've had mining, you know, since this country was, was started. And, and again, I, I think you have to have, you, you want to make sure that there's regulations that are in there that are going to minimize the effect of this. And look, and I understand, I guess any sort of mining procedure you do is going to be evasive, invasive. I, I mean, I, I get it. And inevitably, there is going to be some degree of, of pollution. The question becomes, where is that acceptable balance that's there? And I, we, we just, in my opinion, we overreacted back in 1998 to essentially say, all right, we're, we're not going to allow any sort of mining a- at all. Well, okay, maybe it's time to, I don't know that the pendulum has to you know, swing back and say, okay, we need a gold rush here. But maybe it's time to move the pendulum at least a little bit towards the middle and say, you know, we're, we are going to open Wisconsin for business you know, to an extent. Let's talk to uh, Bill in Appleton. Bill, you're on 620 WTMJ. 
Hey, Jeff. Hi, Bill. Uh, I was in Ladysmith uh, before the mine. I uh, was up there during and have seen it afterwards. Uh, in the beginning, there were all the naysayers who didn't want it and it would cause all these problems. Uh, today, it is a beautiful park. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's wonderful. When I've been up in Hurley, when they were considering putting the mine up in that area, they uh, there were signs about the size of, of the political signs in every yard, or many yards, and it said mining, our heritage, our past, our future. <laughs> right. People up there were highly in favor of it. Right. Uh, as long as they jumped through all the I would be Those are excellent jobs. Well, well right. They're, they're family-sustaining jobs. Thanks for calling. Now, now, again, mines at some point in time play out. That That's just the, the reality of this. At some point in time, they play out, and you you have to have the requirements saying, okay, when, when the mine is played out, when it is time to move on, then what you're going to do is that you have to do the best you can to restore it. But I, I actually, I think you make a very good point that, you know, in general, I think up in that area, you have, first of all, this is the heritage. It is the tradition. It is, again, you have people who, in general, say, hey, we want to take advantage of this because this is going to be good for our community. And it's not just the jobs that are in mining. Look at what's been going on, at least what went on for several years. I think it's dying down a little bit now. But look, well, look what went on with North Dakota. You know, you had the, the whole, again, we were talking about fracking, you know, extracting oil. I mean, you had you had North North Dakota, of all places, you know, be, became a boom town, a boom state because of fracking. You had people from all over the country traveling there. Now, I think it's slowed down a bunch now because, again, the um, – you know, the, the economics and the price of oil has dropped so low and the supplies are so great that, again, they're, they're pulling back on that a little bit. So nothing is necessarily going to last forever. But I guess I just look at all this and I, I say, you know, really, as I, I understand that you don't want to be reckless about it. And I'm not arguing that you be reckless. But, but can't you do it just to simply say no, 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 no makes no sense. Jeff in Milwaukee. Jeff, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Morning. Hey, how you doing? Good. What do you think? I, you know, I'm all for uh, them opening that mine back up or any mines up there. I, you know, my sister and I own a small trucking company. I know a lot of guys uh, lost a lot of work up there, um, and for no real good reason. I, I don't know why we can't keep, you know, keep this work up here. Um, but I, we, I. I'd grab a couple trucks and run up there and grab whatever work I could get. <laughs> yeah, right, right, e- e- exactly. I mean, I think it would be opportunities for everyone. Thanks for calling. And as long as you do it, and I, I understand, it, it's there's some people out there that think that you, and this is what tripped up Hillary Clinton, um, you know, when she went after coal mining in West Virginia. There are some people out there that think that you, there, there could be no responsible mining. You, you just, you can't do it. There's no such thing as clean coal. That's a misnomer that, you know, you, you cannot run a mine um, and, and do it in an environmentally responsible fashion. Look, I, I understand running a mine is going to have some impact on the environment. But the truth of the matter is Al Gore flying around in his private plane to give speeches on an inconvenient truth, that has an impact on the environment too. It's eleven twenty-eight. 
It's 837, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. All right, um, over the last couple of days, um, I, I've been at a couple different events, and I've been amazed at how many people I was talking to who own second places in Florida. I, I, was, at, I was at this thing the other day, Monday night, and I, I swear every other person I talked to had a, a second home, like a retirement home in uh, on the Gulf side of Florida, Marco Island, talking to a couple of people who had a place in Marco Island that got hit hard, a um, couple other people in the Naples area. And, and my ongoing question was, well, you know, how's your house doing and things like that? And some people didn't know because they hadn't been able to get somebody in there yet. A um, couple people I were talking to said their, their places actually came through okay, uh, you know, damage to the property, but not a lot of structural sort of damage. But it, it's obviously that this whole Hurricane Irma is something that weighs in the back of, of people's minds. Now, I've said this before. I, I'm I'm a Wisconsinite. I am dug in here, and I don't ever anticipate leaving the state on a full-time basis. So all the people that collect taxes should be glad to hear that. But I could easily see at some point in time in the, in the future, if you know the if the good people at annex wealth management you know do do their job and i do mine i mean i i I, the idea of at least spending a few months um getting out of the winter um that that makes that has an appeal to me there's no question about it and i mean i understand there's the economics of sitting down and saying okay can you afford this does it make sense to do this is it going to be worth it to you you know should you rent and things like that um you know i i get all those type of things but i admit for the longest time one of my dreams has been i'd like to have a second place you know it doesn't have to be a doesn't have to be a grand sort of place just a place where you know, for a few months a year or some long weekends or whatever, you can go and you, you can just see the sun and, you know, not have to deal with, you know, five and 10 degree temperatures. And I know there's a lot of people who are, are like that as well. Um, my fiance understands that. And she's like, yeah, I, I could get behind that if, you know, if, if it would ever, you know, make sense. And if it's something you want to do, I, we, we would never leave the state permanently. Um, but again, you could see that, that option. Well, I know one of the things that's been going through a lot of people's minds after this last batch of hurricanes, and the truth is you you can always, you know, there's always been hurricanes, and there will always be hurricanes. In some respects, you know, Florida, it's been 12 years since a hurricane hit Florida, and I understand for people, for example, who are climate change advocates, the fact that it was 12 years. There wasn't a hurricane for 12 years. That's climate change. Then the fact that there is a hurricane. Now there's a big hurricane. That's climate change. You know, they, they want to have it, you know, all the ways. But the truth is, climate change notwithstanding, you are, you know, that is an area, if you choose to live in Florida, you know, that's an area where, you know, you're going to be dealing with issues like this. And they call it the hurricane season for a reason. There have always been hurricanes. There will always be hurricanes. You know, you might have the 12-year gap, but then you're going to have the, you know, the hurricane Irma's of of the light of your life and you know it's going to cause property damage and it's going to cause threats if you're down there and it's going to cause the stress whether you're down there or here 414-799-1620 that's the acunet mortgage talk and text line i have been talking to people actually who fit into two camps the majority of the people i have been speaking to who have places in florida it's just well look we're, we're worried about this but this comes with the territory this is just this is just how, you know, if, if you want the benefit of being able to get away from the winter, this is just the risk that you have to put up with. I did, however, 
run into somebody yesterday, as a matter of fact, who said, you know, this is it. It's just the and it's the pressure. It's the stress. Um, in their particular case, they didn't know how badly their home had been damaged. They knew it had no power. They knew that there were some trees down. But they were saying, look, this is just, this is just it's, it's enough is enough. It's like I, and they were just telling me, they said, I have just been a nervous wreck, not just for me and my property, but for the neighbors and all the people I know down there. I have been a nervous wreck for the last, you know, week or so. Love living down there, but I, I've had it. I'm, I'm going to move on. And then they kind of said, you know, you want to buy a house. <laughs> I said, well, not ready for that. 414-799-1620. My initial reaction, and, and this is from somebody who doesn't own property there, is this is not going to discourage me. And the fact that I guess I've always just believed that if you want to do stuff in life, life is short. That is my overriding thing. And, you know, you, you shouldn't not do things you, you never want to be doing irresponsible things, but you shouldn't not do something that you want to do that you can otherwise do just because a bad thing could, in fact, happen. So that's kind of what is, is driving me. But I know I know there's other people out there who don't agree. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. So let's just tee this up. I mean, if, if you, whether you are, if you currently own something down there, um, is this made you just rethink your decision and maybe made you think that you want to get out. If you're like me in a situation where you're thinking maybe someday this would be a great place, if not to retire to full time, at least be able to visit on a regular basis. Is this making you rethink that? Let's talk to Jeff in Clearwater, Florida. Jeff, good morning. Hey, Jeff. Yeah, uh, talked to you many times. Sure. Did you get did, did you avoid did, did you avoid yes. is too bad or did you get hit hard? Well, uh, unfortunately, we didn't, but it, we thought we were. I mean, we thought it was going to be devastation. So it, it was, it was been down here for 35 years. So it was the scariest we've ever had, you know, originally from Milwaukee. So, uh, we, we thought this was, you know, as Fred Sanford said, we thought this was going to be the big one. Right. Yeah. Elizabeth, this you is know. the big one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I thought you might be interested in a perhaps a unique perspective. Um, we're we're seriously thinking about buying a second home back in Wisconsin. Okay. So we have a place. You know, frankly, I can afford it. So right. frankly, uh, we have a place to run to, and we're we're animal lovers. But I hate to admit we have uh, twelve animals, one dog, and you know how one rabbit and the rest cats. So we're we're going to have a place to my wife and I. Uh, scoot to next right. time there's a category you know <laughs> we, we were looking at a cat five category four, uh, four right. sorry cat cat four right in the Fair. clearwater area is very vulnerable one of the most vulnerable absolutely. regions in the country yeah absolutely all of tampa bay i mean we thought we were going to get creamed and um you know if it was a cat four or even three you're looking at you know, look at what happened to Key West. Uh, I think it was 40% of the homes, 30% of the homes there were, they're flattened. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Jeff, that's scary. That mm-hmm. is really scary when you consider that. You know, but you're you, not thinking about getting out entirely. You're just thinking no. about having a second place, yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I've spent, 
I was 22 when my wife and I moved down here. So 35 years ago, I've spent more time in Florida. I guess I'm officially a Floridian now, right? right. Although my heart's in, in southeastern Wisconsin. And your so. radio listening is as well, and we appreciate that. Absolutely. <laughs> I listen to you every morning. So anyhow, I thought you'd be interested. Super. Now, great. Well, th- well, first of all, most importantly, I'm glad you and your wife are safe. That's thanks. the most important thing. No, thanks. I guess. But, I mean, see, that that's the that's the thing that you, you end up balancing. Um, you know, what, what do you do? How far do you go? Carl and Mequon. Carl, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Carl. Carl, Carl, Carl. Okay, back with more of your calls in just a moment. It's 1145. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1149, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. All right, um, we're going to spend some time tomorrow on the, the Slender Man case. After, well, three years or so since the incident, you have one of the two girls who was, by her own admission, involved in the attack. Um, she is now, there's a jury trial that's going on. She has admitted her guilt. She's cut up, she, she's admitted that she committed the act. And she's cut up, made a plea agreement. So now the trial is to decide whether or not she was sane at the time of the crime. Um, they say the trial is going to, it was predicted originally to last all week. My guess it isn't. My, my guess is, my guess is the case is probably going to go to the jury tomorrow. I, I, and we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about this case tomorrow. But one of the things that, that there's, there's a lot of, I think, misunderstanding about the, the way the law works in, in this regard. Because you, you have a situation where you, and look at the facts of this case. You, you have the, these two you know, 12 or 13-year-old girls who allegedly plot to you know, kill one of their classmates as a, because this fictional character had told them to do it. And you sit there and you say, okay, well, of course, that, that's anybody who would do that has to be insane. That's just absolutely the crazy. You know, how could anybody do that? Well, that, that's anybody, you could argue, who commits you know, awful crimes or crimes of violence, you, you can argue that, you know, they're, they're, not, they're not in their right mind. But, but just, because, just because it's something that sounds like it's crazy doesn't mean you're not legally responsible for doing this. The, the way it works is, first of all, the burden of proof is on the defendant. In other words, the, the, the girl, the young woman, she's going to have to prove through her lawyers that she was not guilty by reason of mental disease or defect. What this means is that she has to prove that at the time of the crime, first of all, she suffered from a mental disease or defect that prevented her from understanding that her conduct was wrong. In other words, the question is going to be, could she differentiate um, you know, right from wrong? Because, again, there, there's lots of people who are, are sociopaths, for example, and, and they engage in all sorts of antisocial behavior. Well, that doesn't mean that they're, they're insane. The question becomes, in order to avoid criminal responsibility, you have to be able to prove that, number one, there was a mental disease or defect. You know, what, 
what was that? An identifiable mental disease or or defect? Was somebody schizophrenic, for example? That would be one. Did she have a mental disease or defect? But was that defect so severe that it prevented her from understanding that her conduct was wrong? Did she not know that it was wrong to stab her classmate? Or the other standard would be, did the mental disease or defect prevent her from conforming her actions to the requirements of the law? Was the disease or defect so great that she she couldn't, she just couldn't conform, she couldn't follow the law? Not, you know, were you maladjusted? Not were, you know, did you have issues going on? You know, in, in all honesty, and I, I want to reserve this conversation until tomorrow because I want to have a chance to kind of follow the rest of the testimony that comes in today. I, I will tell you, this is one that on its surface, well, I guess the reaction is, well, there's obviously something wrong with a 12 or 13 year old girl who would do this. And the answer is yes, that's the case. But just because there's something mentally wrong with someone doesn't mean that they are not guilty by reason of mental disease or defect. And candidly, there's not much that I've heard thus far that convinces me that she meets that standard. But that's just me. And I, I want to wait till I hear some more of the testimony in this case. Was it a crazy thing to do? Yeah, yeah, it was. But does that mean that she couldn't conform her conduct to the requirements of the law or appreciate that um, she didn't understand that her conduct was wrong? No, I don't think so. As a matter of fact, when you when you plan stuff out, that to me demonstrates pretty clearly that you um, un- understand the consequences, or at least understand that what you're doing is wrong. But in any event, we're going to have a lengthier conversation about that tomorrow once more testimony comes in. All right, it is 1154. I'm just about out of time. 